Hello everyone! Before we begin this episode of Star Wars Beyond the Films, we wanted to remind you about our contest going on right now. We have three exclusive advanced reader edition copies, the paperbacks from San Diego Comic Con, of Star Wars A New Dawn by John Jackson Miller that we are giving away. To enter, send an email to swbeyondfilms at starwarsfanworks.com, put A New Dawn in the subject line, and put your mailing address in case you win inside the body of the email. We'll be announcing the date that we'll be drawing the winners sometime in the near future. But for now, just get those entries in. One entry will get you in there for a possibility of any of the three copies. No multiple entries necessary. Now, on with the show. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. You're listening to Star Wars Beyond the Films, the official expanded universe podcast of StarWarsReport.com. There is great disturbance in the force. That's right, Whistler. Welcome to episode 139 of Star Wars Beyond the Films, your Star Wars discussion podcast, your podcast of legends, your ticket to that galaxy far, far away. Our episodes broadcast on the Star Wars Report website, Second Airborne Division, at www.starwarsreport.com. Episodes can also be found on iTunes, Zoom, as well as Stitcher, and right on our own Twitter and Facebook pages, at SW Beyond Films. Hey, but enough about how you got here, let's get this show started. I'm one of your hosts, the defender of the EU, the champion of the multiverse, the bipolar Star Wars fan, Mark Herleman, and with me like the legends of old, still sitting on your bookshelf, the EU guru himself, the count of two continuities, Mr. Nathan P. Butler! Hello, everyone! We are broadcasting halfway from the great outdoors, yes? Indeed. I'm still uh, mid-move at time of recording. Hopefully by the time this is up, I am secure in a new studio, in the new house, on the new side of town. Uh, right now, I'm currently uh, one of those guys that don't like to admit their fandom. I'm a 35-year-old guy living with his mom and dad, reading his Star Wars comics in the back bedroom. Yeah, it, it's it's not my proudest moment, but uh, you know, my parents came in for me the last minute and uh, gave us a place to stay while the uh, landlords were fixing the house. Unfortunately, the Previous tenants, when they left, gutted the house. I mean, they tore it up. Um, they're replacing the floors, the laminate. They're repainting all the walls. Uh, I mean, they're going out of their way with a lot of stuff. They're rebuilding the porches all the way around the front and the back. Uh, I mean, this landlord has done more in 20 days than the landlord we had for two years. I mean, our old house, we had a crack in the shower that they never fixed. <laughs> it was like, dude, your floor is getting ruined, but whatever. But yeah, so uh, it, it's been chaotic, which as many of you Beyonders out there probably noticed, uh, we finally reached a point where some of the episodes didn't come out. Um, I think we're like a week or two behind, maybe maybe two by the time this comes out. I'm hoping to get one up by the Monday we're recording this on, uh, which would be the 18th. So uh, hopefully that's up, and uh, by the time you're hearing this, uh, we're back to normal. So that's the hope, the goal anyway. <laughs> and Nathan, what's been going on for you, man? Uh, you know, just first week of school for the students. We've been back for, gosh, about two and a half weeks for the teachers now, but the students came back this week, and so far so good overall, but we are, of course, dealing with um, uh, an overcrowded building. We the, the school system had planned for us to have about 200 less students than we do. So we basically got, uh, I got one class that was scheduled for 45 students in the classroom. It actually wound up being 42 when the classroom itself 
really is designed to fit about 30, 35 at most. Um, so we're crammed in. We've got 38 discs all squished together. You can barely walk between them. And we've got a whole bunch of small individual chairs stacked up. So when that period comes in, we just start taking the chairs down and start trying to find them a place to sit Ooh. where they're not going to be tripping all over themselves. So we're waiting for that to get all fixed up. And Well, this and could really, be an uh, opportunity in disguise. I mean, this could be your opportunity to design bunk bed desks. <laughs> there you go. Or, or ceiling swings or something. Yeah, but... <laughs> Um, we do have the, the, the one, what may be positive coming up. My, uh, my close friend and, uh, longtime department chair is, uh, she just got a promotion. So that opens up the department chair position and I've been recommended for it. There's an application process and everything. And, and I'm kind of in that position where, you know, I'm good if I get it because it's a little bit more money, even though it's more work stuff to be doing and uh, some meetings halfway across creation uh, if you're familiar with the Atlanta area going from Fairburn slash Union City area to Alpharetta which is a good hour plus drive for meetings uh, one way that is but if I don't get it then hey not all that extra stress and extra stuff but the unfortunate side of not having a little bit of extra money so mm -hmm. uh, it's opened up a possible opportunity here we're just kind of waiting to see how things go but i don't know what's going to happen a couple of days from now because she'll be gone and they yeah. haven't even started interviewing for the position so we may be leaderless for a little while which is you know is all right i guess as long as you know what you're doing and then if you do get it you're going to be like oh we were leaderless for how long and i get this to to swoop up yay you know, I, I also am uh, applying. I'm applying for a radio host or radio position. They didn't exactly say what it was. It was just part of their team. And I'm like, hey, yeah, I'm interested. Because like, are you interested in radio? Do you like doing this? Do you like doing that? And I'm like, I like doing all these things. Yes, yes, I'll do it. So hopefully that'll go well. I'm I'm kind of nervous because right now I've got I've got a laid back kickback job with that local subway where you know I'm Jaina's full-time providers so i don't work that often so if i do this my hours are definitely going to go back up and jana's going to go into daycare <laughs> yeah we're we're still waiting to see what's happening with some stuff happening with jody's job she's got some really really bad co-workers who are making life miserable for a lot of the folks there um we're going to see how that plays out but we may be she may be looking for something uh, something new sometime soon um you described that position there and i'm wondering you know what if this turns out to be like CD polishing? You never know. You're gonna I mean, sit in that back room listening to music and just be wiping them all down. But still, that's right. It's that it's that doorway into the building. And that's and that's kind of where I'm coming from. I'm like, hey, you know, I don't care what it is. I want to know more about this, and I'd love to, uh, you know, explore what they're doing there at the radio. See how it could possibly help us with podcasting, that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, and before we get too deep into our show, there is something new I want to do, uh, a rumor mill. I don't want to get too involved in rumors, but there are occasional rumors that kind of force their way to the top of our news feeds where we can't help but notice. Uh, two of these today we're going to touch on, one being the new Stormtrooper helmet design, and the other one being a possible unaltered version of the Star Wars films hitting Blu-ray. Now, Nathan, I don't know if you've had a chance to see the uh, new Stormtrooper helmet design. I, it, it came up on my feed, and I shared it on our page and stuff, and I've been watching a, a couple other Star Wars groups just reacting to it. You know, it's it's mixed across the board. I think I think at this day and age, everything's going to be mixed. I don't think you're going to have everybody clamoring on the same boat anymore, uh, but... I don't know. For me, I, when I was looking at it, I thought it was a cool design. I know I had some issue when it came to the, the face mask part of the uh, Stormtrooper helmet in Rebels, but 
moving forward, I think this design looks really good. I, I was immediately drawn in. I'm liking it. I'd love to see it cosplayed. Uh, what about you? You know, just that's one of the things that, uh, you know, as the rumors come, until we see something official, I usually take everything just with a grain of salt and those types of things, even when they are official. A lot of times, costume things and whatnot, like the, hey, these are possibly leaked concepts for Han Solo's costume in the film and that sort of thing that came around recently. I'm kind of like, oh, okay. Um, for what it's worth, I do think it's a cool design, and it would make sense that within the span of about 30 years or so that the design would change, especially if it's something where uh, you know, we don't know what shape the Empire's in in the sequel trilogy yet, so as far as we know, they could be trying to sort of rebrand themselves in some respects. Uh, if it does change and look like those, or change and not look like those, I would still say that the change over 30 years makes sense, just like seeing some changes in the lack of color and such as we go from prequel trilogy to classic trilogy, uh, certainly more so, making sense more so, than the Rebels ones. I think the Rebels ones are stylized to the point where there's kind of a what going on because they really do have that much, much deeper, for lack of a better term, frown on them. I mean, they look like stormtroopers, but there is a stylization that has you just sort of have to take it with a grain of salt because, hey, it's a cartoon. Like, real people don't exactly run that way either. Um, a real Ezra's nose would not be that big because he'd be breathing in his chin. Kind of stuff. Uh, or is it, is it Ezra or is it Aladdin? I forget. Um, <laughs> one, one step ahead of the sword or whatever it is. Um, I don't know. It, it's nifty looking, but you know whether it is that design or not for the Stormtrooper helmets, really not a big deal to me. I just want to start seeing something other than the, the least. Give us some real official teaser images. Give us some real official you know, teaser trailers, even if the teaser trailer is a lot like what we saw uh, with some of the earliest stuff for the prequels, where it's just words on the screen, a new title image, even without a title of the film, just episode seven and yeah. clips, you know, from the other films. Yeah, give me a poster with just a silhouette of a character. I don't even need to know anything or like a new villains on the rise. And all you see is just like the outskirts of their body, you know, <laughs> not enough to even tell if it's a guy or a girl or an alien. You're just like, what is it? Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm ready for something, too. I, I think that's part of our, the Rebels aspect. You know, as we get close to Rebels and, and we're slowly getting little things like, OK, where's where's episode seven stuff? I'm ready for that. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> the other one being the unaltered versions of the Blu-ray. I'm mixed on this. I would totally get it. I mean, uh, keep in mind, I still don't have Star Wars on Blu-ray. So, you know, if this was offered up as part of a package with the other Blu-rays, uh, I would love that. If it was separate on its own, I probably would still end up getting it. But if they were going to do it, and I'm saying a big if because I really, truly don't quite buy this one. Uh, but if they did it, I think that they should do it as an alternate version. Um, Blu-ray, you know, it's got unlimited capabilities in a lot of respects and slapping in other versions of the film would be cool. I mean, it'd be nice to see all the different versions that, that Lucas has made on a Blu-ray and then have the main one, you know, the, the Canon version being the one that when you normally hit play, that's the one that plays. But if you go into special editions, there's like the four or five other alternate versions that Lucas tampered with, you know, because I think like, you know, the casual fans, they don't even realize how many times Lucas has made many changes. Yeah they hear the flack and stuff but it'd be cool to have a blu-ray that has every version of his tinkering on there so you could really kind of explore it i know nathan you personally have gone on a little uh lucas journey through editing history and have, have 
come up with some incredible insights based off of that stuff. And I don't know. I think it's I think it's one of those things that every Star Wars fan kind of owes it to themselves to kind of watch how he's you know evolved his process and with the film. I mean, this is the one film in almost all the films where you've seen the director come back time and time again and constantly tweak it just a little bit more to perfect it or screw it up depending on how you're looking at it. But I don't know. I mean, with with Fox still owning the copyright and all that to the to the stuff. I mean, Disney's going to have to throw down a pretty penny to get it. I think if anyone could do that, it would be Disney. And I think you know they, they've got they've got a good market there if they wanted to do it. Which I think people are conflicted. I know Brian Young he would not like to see it, uh, but there are other people out there like myself that would I would love to have that as a bonus feature. Where, where do you sit on this divide? I don't know. I think that it'll happen at some point. I do not think it's happening as soon as the recent rumors have said that it's going to. Because, yeah, the distribution rights for the classic trilogy, if I remember, I think it's all of them, at least the first film, I think it's all of them, rest with Fox still, uh, not with Disney. So, you know, Disney can put out Rebels and that sort of thing. I'm not sure that Disney can do anything with the classic trilogy just yet as far as distribution goes. Um, I mean, it'd be cool to see. You know, I've, just, I've watched that... Uh, uh, a New Hope despecialized edition, the fan project, a while back. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, it, nice, pretty, very cool to see some of the original scenes done without the CG in them being uh, in high definition or very, very close um, to what we would expect to see on a Blu-ray. But, I don't know, I, Disney could do it. Disney and Fox together, wanting to make money together and splitting the profits, could certainly come up with a way to do it. And if there's any film series that would wind up being worth them collaborating to do that, it's probably the Star Wars films. But at the same time, I, I'm thinking back to 2006. You know, we got the original unaltered editions, which are minus the very beginning of A New Hope, which are actually the 1993 Laserdisc editions from the Definitive Collection, uh, just transferred on the DVD. We got those in 2006, but they gave them as a bonus disc when selling the 2004 DVD cut of the films. Uh, there's the original cut, there's a 97, there's a 2004, there's a 2011. And in some cases, there's interim ones in between, like with The New Hope, with uh, the, the, you know, the line about the tractor being, being added in and then removed again in the special edition, all that kind of stuff. But of all those different versions of them to put out, they put out 2004's DVD again in 2006 and 8, uh, and 5, technically, in 6 and 8, they added in that bonus disc, and if I remember correctly, it was because that had to do with the way that the, the profit sharing worked on putting out those original editions. The original unaltered editions have different money going to different people, or at least some different people, than if they were a bonus and not the primary thing being sold. It's kind of like Fantasy Flight Games. Fantasy Flight Games can put out Star Wars RPG materials in print, and they do sometimes put up digital copies of free missions but they cannot put up digital copies of their for-profit materials because they don't have the license to do that. So, you know, the Age of Rebellion core rulebook can't get a digital edition officially that they can sell, but they can sell a free Edge of Rebellion, or they can give away a free Edge of Rebellion mission that you can just download from their website, no problem whatsoever. The, the legalities of all these and the profit sharing is the issue, and whether it, uh. in 2006, was because of the whole well, Lucas's ex gets some money off the originals, which is the rumor at the time. Um, for whatever reason, they chose not to make those separate when they could have made them separate and made a lot of money off of them. So to me, it seems as though this is sort of a, 
a wish fulfillment thing. The reports that came recently saying, it's coming, had absolutely no new information whatsoever except a suggested time frame of, it'll be before episode 7 comes out. I'll believe it when I see it. Otherwise, they're the same old rumors just recycled yet again. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, it, I need something more official before I can really clamor onto that. Though I do, I go back and forth with if they were to put it out by itself as a Blu-ray, I would be conflicted. I mean, again, I don't own the others on Blu-ray, so it would come down to which one's cheaper as to which one I buy first. <laughs> I don't know. I think if they are going to do it, they should put it in there as a bonus feature. I mean, that that to me, I think, would be the, the smarter way. But yeah, that legalities of it all is just so, so damning. Here at Star Wars Beyond the Films, we ask the tough questions. Questions that have bothered you for a long time, or simple ones that have perplexed you off and on. You ponder about Star Wars and so do we. This episode, we turn to you listeners and address your emails and ponders. Now consider that your spoiler warning, Beyonders and Sentient of All Ages, because here we go on another adventure beyond the films. Now, before we get too deep into uh, our feedback episode here, I got a quick question I wanted to throw your way, Nathan. Uh, you know, I was watching episode three, and Obi-Wan, you know, right in the beginning when they're trying to free Palpatine, he, you know, Palpatine goes, oh, careful, Dooku's a Sith Lord, and Obi-Wan turns to him and he goes, well, Sith Lords are a specialty. And I'm just thinking about that. You know, it's just been, it, it's having that, you know, last time we've met, my powers more than doubled count kind of feel to it. And it got me thinking about the last issue of, Darth Maul, son of Dathomir, and you know it'll be out by the time you you listeners are listening to this. So you know, kind of see where we're at with our speculation here. But Nathan, are you, my speculation is that Kenobi has to kill Maul at the end of this series for that line to make sense. I mean, what do you think? I mean, do you think there's a possible different outcome that doesn't make Kenobi look like a chump in that scene? No, I'd like to see him be the one to to have that final clash because it gets the revenge storyline out of the way. Uh, it does close the loop on that particular line. Uh, and otherwise, you know, we're all kind of sitting back there shaking our heads because the Jedi storyline in some respects is more tacked on to that series so far than the Dooku aspect, the Sith versus former Sith type battling that's going on and so forth. Uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I'm not making any bets on what's going to happen, uh, but I'm excited for that last issue, the last issue of the what amounts to the first story group canon comic series, the only Dark Horse comic series that is considered part of story group canon. In this case, along with Legends, it's the only one that makes that crossover. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I don't think that it, that line necessarily, you know, falls flat the same way as, you know, my powers have doubled since we last met, Count. You know, a few weeks ago, or a few days ago, because of the Clone Wars kind of thing. Um, because certainly he did face off with Maul the first time. And, of course, Anakin and Obi-Wan did face off with Dooku multiple times. Although, you know, are our speciality. Given that Dooku is still around in Episode 3 and Maul manages to survive, there's kind of the, our speciality. Doesn't mean we actually defeat them for good, it just means we fight them a lot. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Maybe it's a Jedi versus Sith thing. In this case, it wasn't just Kenobi. It was, I'm so awesome, I took Maul down. And it's kind of like... Again. 
It's like if I said that grilling is my speciality. I grill all the time. I burn it every single time. <laughs> but I grill a lot, so grilling is my speciality. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. And by this point, we will know officially how it ended. Yep. Dark Horse, as of the time that we are recording this, Dark Horse has only two more Star Wars comics left. The last issue of Legacy Volume 2 and the last issue of Darth Maul, Son of Dathomir. And you can bet we will do some form of probably multi-episode retrospective looking back uh, on the end of Dark Horse's time with Star Wars. And looking ahead to those new Marvel comics, you know, where one of the writers is talking about how he's excited to explore unexplored territory, like Vader finding out, I kid you not, that Luke is his son. <sighs> yeah, I'm not looking forward to that era of our fandom retreading things in a new light. I mean, granted, there may be some new aspects to it, but I think there's going to be a lot of face palming going on on my end of fandom. Oh. Uh, we've got a few messages here from folks. Uh, in general, mostly somewhat shorter than often winds up happening, so we can zip through quite a few here. Uh, starting out from Greg Evans, he says, Hey guys, I'm re-listening to your coverage of the Legacy series. Cade Skywalker sounds very interesting. Still, I searched under Legacy Comics, and there are many ways to get it. I'm interested in getting this in the most inexpensive and easy-to-collect way. I'm not interested in collecting this in such a way that I can resell it, but just to enjoy a good story. So what is the best way to get the entire story of Cade Skywalker in the most inexpensive yet comprehensive way? And hey, a few show ideas. One, I Jedi. Two, I think it'd be cool if when Episode 7 comes out, you guys cover the Legends perspective on what happened after Return of the Jedi. I'd like to see the comparison. Also, it might be a good time to go book by book through the Thrawn trilogy. And three, I'd like you to cover both Brian Daly's and A.C. Crispin's Han Solo trilogies. Personally, I'd rather you do it book by book, but I understand if in time constraints that you do the trilogies as a whole. Keep up the great work. Thanks, Greg Evans. Well, Greg, I would say uh, when it comes to legacy, you're probably going to want to look for some of the uh, trade paperbacks. Uh, there may be an omnibus or two out there that you could find. Uh, but trade paperbacks will probably be your most inexpensive way. They've been out long enough that you could probably hunt them down on eBay and get them for about half price of what they were originally. Uh, you could go to the nickel and dent section of some of the internet places that sell stuff like uh, things from another world. Uh, they got a nick and dent section that uh, usually it's like 50 to 60, sometimes even 80% off. It depends on how bad the covers and stuff are. I mean, if you're not concerned about the cover being bent or you know some issue pages being folded over stuff like that that are really inexpensive in that regard if you're just looking for the story uh so that would be the way i would suggest going uh when it comes to i jedi yeah we're definitely gonna be hitting that at some point that's one of my favorite books uh i actually i kind of like what you're talking about with the uh episode seven lead up from the legends perspective you know i mean here's your alternate reality uh you know, I was talking earlier in this episode about how, you know, I've been checking out these different Facebook Star Wars fan groups. And one thing that really strikes me is how many new fans that have absolutely zero idea what's going on in Star Wars and the fandom are excited and in coming into it. And so a lot of them don't even know anything about what the EU was. So when you get that aspect of they're, they're coming in, they're discovering, oh, hey, there's a whole other alternate universe there. Many of them are just like, oh, I don't care. I just want what's canon. But I think, you know, if we present it right, it might actually uh, spawn some people into taking that Legends voyage. I mean, you know, there's a whole great vast universe out there of already explored things with, you know, a lot of people out there that know a thing or two about it that can help guide you along your way and make it where it's easy to traverse. You know, you don't have to go right into the uh, rocky waves and, and hold on for dear life as you try to struggle through a book like, uh, 
Razor's Edge, I tried to forget you, but you came right back to my memory. <laughs> uh, but when it gets to Thrawn uh, and the solo trilogies, again, those are also books that eventually we will be getting to. Uh, we could probably end up moving those up. Um, you know, we have, may have noticed we had been focusing on comics and things like that. Mainly that's been because it's been the medium I've been having the most access to and can whip through a lot faster. Uh, Jane has made reading books for me very difficult in the last two years. Uh, so, you know, we're still waiting for me to finish Darth Maul, uh, lockdown so I can, you know, we can cover that. And I'm still like, I think I've got another 20 chapters still to go. Great book, but getting a chance to open it up and really read it has been really difficult. But opening up a comic and whipping through that one issue at a time, I can do that in the car and things like that. And it's, it's not so hard. So yeah, we are planning on getting more books going. Um, I know one of the first ones that I'm hoping that we can get to is, is start waiting in on the new Jedi Order. That's one of my favorite series. So be really excited to get into that someday. But yeah, Thrawn trilogy is another great one that would be great fun to cover and maybe get some guests to come in and talk about because it's one of those that's near and dear to all of fandom. Yeah, at some point, looking back on the EU would be a, a cool idea, especially those foundational stories that are out there. That's why I had up until recently from the Star Wars library over on YouTube. We got as far as The Last Command and then that went on indefinite hiatus and we'll probably not be coming back to the new canon and everything else that's going on and, and lack of time really on my part. But uh, it's been a long time since I read the Han Solo trilogy and not quite as long but still quite a while since reading the Han Solo adventures. So that's one of those that Eh, it may happen, but it just depends on at what point we get to actually go back and either reread, reskim, or you know reread summaries or something to refresh our memory of what's in it before we can really do those justice. Although you know the Han Solo Adventures did get the the thumbs up to get republished with the Legends banner on it, so that may be something to say, hey folks, if you're out there, you're picking up these, hey, this is one with the Legends banner on it that has a new cover out there. If you see it, this is what it's all about to talk about it and such. As for Legacy, um, I mean, you can pick them up as individual issues, you can pick them up digitally, and I'm expecting quite a few sales and such from Dark Horse when it comes to Star Wars comics as the end of the year approaches. If you're trying to pick them up in physical form, though, as opposed to digitally, I would assume that the most cost-effective means would be to buy them as trade paperbacks or their big collected editions, although they're not calling it omnibus editions, they basically are. There is, or there, I believe there, there is a pair of runs of this. You've got 11 trade paperbacks. I believe War was number 11. So it would be 11 trade paperbacks that would cover it, or three hardback collected editions. The hardbacks, I believe, run about 35 bucks each, but they've got several of the trade paperbacks all inside them. So you know, it's really up to you, but I would say that those are probably the best bet for them, because usually trade paperbacks cost at least a little bit less than buying the individual issues, and at this point, you got a lot of individual issues to go back and try to purchase. So unless you're getting them digitally, you're going to have to hunt them down probably at this point. You know, it's funny you mentioned uh, Han Solo getting a new Legends banner. I was looking at one of the 30th anniversary toy figures of the saga and the EU ones. They were calling them Legends back then. I was just like, whoa, how did I not notice that? <laughs> Our second email comes in from Zach. Zach says, hey, Mark and Nathan, Zach here. I wondered, with Star Wars comics going over to Marvel, do you think it's possible we'll see Clone Wars stories that weren't aired out in comic form? Similar to what Dark Horse is doing with Darth Maul's Son of Dathomir. There are some arcs I'd like to see, like that Bounty Hunter arc that was talked about. I think there was something about Yoda and Wookiees, and the one with an alive Echo that's working with the Separatists, which I dubbed 
The Clone Wars, Separatist Soldier. I don't know. Let me know what you think. I think we're definitely in the realm of possibility with that one. Um, you know, Filoni and them have hinted that they had quite a few plots and stories already arced out and plotted out and ready to go. Uh, and I, I don't see why not. I mean, you know, you're moving forward. I, I think the only thing that's going to push that back is that they're going to really want to start focusing and building this new canon timeline with Rebels. Uh, I think we're going to see a major focus on that and its events as we move forward. Um, and then maybe if there's other projects that get announced, I think those kind of things are going to be the, the core of what we're getting for a while. Uh, but those, what you suggest with the Clone Wars, especially, you know, new Clone Wars stories, that would be my, my second. Like if they were going to go, you know, and start branching out from Rebels, those old stories and wrapping those up would probably be the direction that they would go because they already know there's the market there and that t- part of the timeline exists in canon so they're they're building off of something already pre-existing it's not like like when legacy first kicked off or they had to give you a couple zero issues to kind of build up what this era looks like because no one has seen it before uh like if you're gonna do something close to episode seven you know that's why i think they're not gonna do it because they would have to do stuff like that they would have to get you familiar with an era that they're about to do with the movie and they're gonna want to wait till the movie comes out so i don't think we're gonna get anything in the episode seven realm until right up close to release time uh you know but yeah i see no reason why we couldn't get some episodes you know clone wars action get some stuff from episodes three through six in there uh find a way to tie it in which is kind of slick considering you know timeline wise season three is where the clone Wars starts so kind of covers the whole gambit there Ooh, i like what i did there yeah you know i it'd be nice to see i don't know that they're actually going to go that direction i guess it would be partly based on what the sales numbers look like for son of dathomir which in theory should be pretty good um, it, I don't think that they're going to be diving too much into the Clone Wars era just yet, because it seems like all of their focus tends to be on the original trilogy era and beyond. Especially, I mean, if you look at Marvel's comics that are coming, they're all shortly after the events of A New Hope. Like, we haven't seen that yeah. a million times before. Um, I think it'd be interesting, though, if they did, because remember, Son of Dathomir is unusual because... Since they are unproduced episodes of the show, they're being treated as if they are essentially episodes of the show so that they go along with Clone Wars wherever Clone Wars goes. And Clone Wars is something that, just like these six original live-action films, is considered part of Legends continuity, but is also part of the new, what I'm calling, story group canon. The new canon driven by the story group at Lucasfilm. So, you'd have to wonder... Would they, like Son of Dathomir, if Marvel were to produce some, wind up being like Son of Dathomir in that it essentially straddles both continuities because it is effectively episodes of the Clone Wars? Or would it be something where they would make that clean break and we'd actually wind up with some material that was essentially Clone Wars episodes unproduced that, unlike Son of Dathomir, only wind up showing up in one continuity? Uh, That's an interesting thing to see. Yeah, I, I, I really think they made a mistake not doing that with Son of Dathomir. I mean, I mean, you know, you, you spoiler warning here. Uh, I mean, we, you take into consideration that Talzin now supposedly had Maul and that Maul is her actual biological son. That to me just doesn't ring true. Like, I don't know, from a legends aspect, I keep saying she's lying, but. I, I go back to that. I wish they would have just said, no, this is only canon and it's not affecting you because that's that's what we have. We have one last hurrah of the Lucas model of, hey, this is going to force you to look at this in a new way and come up with some kind of retcon to make it work because it just isn't going to. And that's the one aspect about the new story group canon moving forward that I'm excited about. 
we're not going to have that anymore. And I kind of wish that they would have just said, you know what, Son of Dathomir, it's only canon, it's not in Legends, and we're done with this forcing Legends to backpedal. Because, I mean, that's what I felt like it is. It's like one more insult. I mean, I know for me, I would have been much more happy with the Divide, had books like Sword of the Jedi, had the unnamed Paul S. Kemp books and things like that actually seen their life. You know, we were told about those books. It would have been nice to see those books come to fruition and get the little handoff that we were hoping Crucible was going to be that failed so miserably. Crucible would have been a great handoff to a handoff, but they didn't go there. They're like, oh, well, we're at the end of the race. We're just cutting the race at the third leg. Ah, forget the fourth leg. You know, you got your best runner down there on the fourth, but we don't need him anymore. Denning, he's done a good enough job. You know, he got past that other line, so we're good. We're going to call it there. And, I, you know, for me, that left a foul taste in my mouth. So, I mean, I... I that I have a real hard time in that aspect, the way Son of Dathomir is still, you know, causing the, the backlash of, you know, oh, it's not lining up. And, you know, now that we have the two cannons, it would have been nice if they had just made that clean break. So if they were to continue to do that, I think for me, that would be a, like, I'd be really raising my fist at the air going, why? Also, I guess we should say before we close out this particular topic about the whole Clone Wars episodes, Maybe showing up in other forums. Don't forget, there is a novel that has been announced with uh, Quinlan Boss and Asajj Ventress that'll be coming that is indeed based on some Clone Wars scripts. So I guess at some point we will get to find out how this is all supposed to pan out continuity-wise. But it'll be a little while before we see anything more about that, since right now they're really hyping up the first four story group canon books. You know, actually... Come to think of just just as a side note on this, just the, talking about the whole idea of what can be accepted, and it is interesting. I'm already starting to feel that that sense of wow, you know, the story group actually is kind of they're doing it their job, and we're starting to see things where we can expect the films or TV shows to be held to whatever it is that we're seeing in the books and such. Um, they released at San Diego Comic Con that exclusive advanced readers edition of A New Dawn, which is the first adult novel in the new story group canon. No, it is not the first prose fiction. That was Blade Squadron back in the pages of Insider. And it's not even the first book, because Ezra's Gamble, which is a, a story by Ryder Winnem, a younger reader book series, kind of like a, a, you know Jedi Apprentice and whatnot, or Clone Wars Secret Missions, is already out, which is a prequel to the first episode of Rebels. But in reading A New Dawn, you know, knowing that this was done in, with the the connection with the story group and everything. Um, it's interesting because, for instance, I, I don't think this is a major spoiler here, um, but Kanan Jarrus from Rebels has been on the run for many years when we see him in Rebels. So, not a huge surprise, Kanan Jarrus is an alias. Or at least it's the name he's going by now. But when he was younger, when he was a Jedi, he had a different name. And that name and the circumstances of his early training and some elements of that are revealed, not in the Rebels cartoon, but in A New Dawn. So seeing him get his real name, so to speak, and certain elements in which we see certain things that happen with him in flashback tying into some things that happen within the prequels, it's cool to think, you know what? This is John Jackson Miller writing this. This is just a novel, so to speak. But because of the whole story group canon thing, the show is bound to this backstory. So are we going to see it in the show? Are they going to address it? If they address it, how will they address it? And is it something addressed maybe in season one that because it was already going to be addressed on screen, they addressed it in A New Dawn? Just this idea that there is some weight now being given to the books is a big deal. Um, so kind of cool 
to see that, even though, of course, it's it's requiring a lot of sweeping away of other things. But I, I like to think that we're, the synergy that we've been hoping for is already starting to form, even with these early ones. And yes, we do have those copies. I actually just got a finished hardback copy from Del Rey here a few weeks before the actual release just showed up on my doorstep thanks to UPS. Uh, our good buddy Carlos has managed when he was at San Diego Comic-Con to get copies of the Advanced Reader Edition uh, for me and for Mark, including at least one extra. A buddy of mine, uh, Jeff Roney, who's done uh, tons, of, tons of Star Wars podcasting in the past and uh, was the guy behind Tatooine TV and such, does, does a lot of stuff with Disney now. Uh, he was able to send me off a copy as well, which was signed by John Jackson Miller, so it's looking like we will probably have at least one or two of those exclusive advanced reader editions of A New Dawn to use as giveaways here on the show at some point in the future, once things settle down for both of us here and we've got a chance to really kind of take stock of where we are you know, with the show and you know, where all everything is as uh, the collections are all being sort of sorted out and whatnot. So keep that in mind. We do have a contest coming for uh, one, maybe two copies of that sometime in the near future if you want to see that. But it will very, very likely be after the retail release of the hardback. But hey, this is an exclusive thing, so even if you already got the hardback, you'd probably want to grab that one for the collection, so it would still be a cool thing to get. Indeed. All right, then all being said, next email comes in from Lenny, who says, Hi again. Quick general question. Thinking about the last arc of Season 6 of The Clone Wars, I thought about how it said that to become a Force ghost, and I assume keeping your individuality, required somewhat extensive training. How then does Darth Vader slash Anakin appear at the end of Episode 6? I can't think of when he would have been able to receive that training, and aren't Sith unable to become Force ghosts to start? I can see Kenobi explained away by a lack of info. Of course, since I'm hardly familiar with the old EU, that can be false. So, if you could clear this up, it'd be cool. Thanks, Lenny. Yeah, canon-wise, we do not have an answer yet. Uh, we do in Legends. In the uh, autobiographies, uh, they talk about it. And I believe the Kenobi one gives us the most detail on it. Basically, Yoda and Kenobi's uh, Force Ghosts get together, and when Anakin is dying, they have one chance to pull him from the Netherland, or the Netherworld, or whatever the heck they call it. Uh, yeah, I can't even... It's Nether-something or other. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, they reach out to him and Anakin's, you know, at first he's kind of like, I don't deserve it, but they, they talk him into it and he comes across with them and that's how it goes about. Now, as for what they're going to do with Canon, you know, that's, that's still wide open. Uh, you know, again, getting back to those, those Facebook groups, I was talking with somebody, they were talking about, you know, the Darth Bane and the order and they brought up all the stuff from, uh, Darth Ruin and all that stuff that came from the RPGs and stuff as the material, but they got it from the Star Wars databank. So the databank is already starting to take aspects of Legends and convert it to their new canon, because the, the, the person that was responding, they were like, well, they don't put anything from Legends up, it's all canon. And I'm like, yeah, but they took from, you know, that's straight from RPG stuff. And they're like, well, it came from Lucas originally. It's like, well, okay, uh, alright, if that's how we're going to play it, but I mean, there's there's no book yet. So I keep your eye on the database, because apparently they're slipping things in as they go as to what's going to become part of canon. Uh, we had the Alderaan cruisers. Uh, we do know that the Krillian uh, Engineering Corporation has made it over to canon. Uh, Tarkin's first names made it over to canon. So there are going to be a lot of things from the EU that we've come to know of as certain facts that are probably going to continue to be facts as they shift over. I know, Nathan, you were talking about being deep into uh, uh, you know the, the new book from John Jackson Miller and having all these post-it notes and stuff on it, which which... 
got me all excited because I'm like, okay, cool, sweet. John's bringing things over. Um, and, and that's one of the things for me moving forward, seeing how this new canon universe pans out and how many elements of Legends make it across. I mean, this aspect of Star Wars hasn't changed, okay? Lucas always took the EU secondary and he cherry-picked it and brought those elements over and, and refurbished them and retooled them into what he wants to do. That hasn't changed. The only difference is, is Lucas isn't the one doing it now. It's the story group canon. So everything that was there before... You know, it's it's still acting as its own universe, but these guys can cherry pick what they want and bring it over. And once they do, those elements of it become canon. You, not the whole backstory, not the, the 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 whole comic itself, but like Quinlan Voss. You know, suddenly the character's there. He looks like how he looked, but his backstory is different. How he got there is different. You know, I mean, so so I'm curious in a lot of ways as to how these things are going to progress and move forward. But that's one that so far canon hasn't addressed at all. And I know. You know, one of the things I loved about the EU was that they went out and made these stories to correct those issues that we got in the storytelling process. When you have a creator that is the sole creator that is coming back to a story decades later and picking up the pen again and jumping back in. I mean, I have a fan fiction that, that I really, I haven't even touched for about 10 years. And when I went back to it, like the ideas that I was having, I, I was having all these new ideas and I was writing them down. And then I found my brainstorming folder that I had for it. And it was like, oh my goodness, I was going off in totally different directions from what I originally planned. I'd forgotten about whole aspects of the story that I hadn't got to write yet that I had, you know, plotted down. And I was just, I was, I was laughing in my head about, you know, this is a lot what Lucas did. You know, I mean, he went back decades later and he continued to tell a story, but it doesn't quite line up with his original vision, which is why I always laugh when people are like, well, I just want Lucas's original vision. It's like, Lucas is changing. He's human. Okay, that original vision is gone. If you don't want the original theatrical versions of stuff, you don't want his original version. You know, I mean, if it, that's that's the bottom line there. I mean, Lucas created a, a weird society where what I do today exists. I mean, he he's working in a in a FIFO or a LIFO system in a FIFO world. <laughs> you know, as far as the whole question of what's the deal, yes, it does show up within. Uh, the I guess it was what uh, Rise and Fall of Darth Vader or whatever it was. In the um, life and times of Obi Wan Kenobi, one yeah, of the life and one of, those of Obi Wan Kenobi. It's it's the book that, by the way, now you can get with the Legends banner on it as a collected edition called just Star Wars Lives and Adventures. It's one of the first Legends reprint things that was made available out there. But yeah, it's always been sort of a puzzle because even I mean, t taking it back a step, okay, they maybe they can sort of teach him at the last minute how to do it right as Anakin is. Dying. Okay, ta-da! You are now, you know, we can help you, we can save your essence and that sort of thing. Okay, fine. Works in Legends, there's no explanation for it in Story Group Canon whatsoever at this point, because they haven't tried to tell that story yet. But even rolling it back, I gotta wonder a little bit about Obi-Wan being able to do it. Because Qui-Gon, as you may recall, we had this whole issue back when we talked about Clone Wars Season 6, Qui-Gon apparently didn't know how to do it, or his training was incomplete, hence only being a voice, not being able to show up as a Force Ghost. Yes, Sith can do Force Ghosts, apparently, uh, although it's rare, going back to stuff like we saw in Legends, at least, with Tales of the Jedi and whatnot. But you've got this whole issue of he didn't know how to do it, so he's taking Yoda to the priestesses, who then find that he is worthy, and then all of a sudden, they don't teach Yoda how to do it, Qui-Gon's going to teach him how to do it, so Qui-Gon must have either been lying about not knowing how, or Qui-Gon was given the information once Yoda passed his trials so that the priestesses didn't have to teach Yoda. Now Qui-Gon could. Okay, fine. But that then brings us to, to Obi-Wan. At the end of Revenge of the Sith, it's, you know, I'm going to teach you 
how to commune with Qui-Gon so that he can teach you how to retain your essence in the Force and all of that jazz. Well, okay, but Qui-Gon at first had to get permission from the priestesses to be able to train Yoda. Yoda had to prove himself worthy. What about Obi-Wan? Is it now that Yoda's proven himself worthy? Anybody that Yoda decides is worthy, even without any trials or anything? Yoda can, Yoda can just say, hey, Qui-Gon, teach this one over here, too. Why doesn't Obi-Wan have to prove himself in any way in order for the priestesses not to step in and stop Qui-Gon from teaching Obi-Wan? Presumably, it's because Yoda has proven himself worthy and they trust Yoda's judgment. But it seems a little bit odd now that Yoda had to jump through all these hoops to be able to learn how to do it. And with Obi-Wan, it's just, here, let me basically give you Qui-Gon's spiritual phone number, and he'll text you how to do it. You know, don't worry about it. So, yeah, there, there are some missing links in the chain there. I like the way that Legends did at least attempt to give us some rationale, though, when it comes to Anakin. I'm assuming this will wind up being one of those great unanswered mysteries, the Force works in mysterious ways kind of things, though, for story group canon, because I highly doubt they will ever return to actually address it. Unless we wind up perhaps seeing Force ghosts of Obi-Wan or Luke or Yoda in the sequel trilogy, and they address it when addressing that. Because remember, the whole idea of Yoda not returning as a Force ghost was just because the EU authors didn't do it. Same thing with the Force Ghost of Anakin that I believe only appears briefly to Leia, um, and then that's it. And the idea mm -hmm. that Obi-Wan can't continuously appear to uh, Luke because after about five years from Return of the Jedi, his ability to do that is starting to fade. Again, that is entirely an expanded universe slash legends construct. Yep. In theory, they could keep doing it forever. And we could wind up seeing him. Granted, I don't know how you would do that, of course, with Alec Guinness having passed away. Unless you got Ewan McGregor being dolled up like Alec Guinness and maybe some CG stuff being done to him to make him look like it. But um, I doubt they're going to address the whole thing again, sadly, because it was kind of a cool explanation the first time around. I, I'm with you on the in the aspect of I think Yoda's going to show up as a Force ghost. I, I, I mean, the whole season six is like, why would you add that? And say, you know, well, we're doing this so you can be a light in times of darkness. And then Yoda's never done anything else. I mean, granted, yeah, now now Legends is separate. So that, to me, is like, that's the why. You know, Legends had its own alternate reason why Yoda didn't show up. Now that's out of the way, Yoda can show up at the most, you know, dire moment ever. You know, Luke, you need some extra help. Oh, hey, help you, I will. How's it going, little Padawan? You know, I don't know. I would love to see Yoda as a Force ghost, and I would love to see them do more with that because... That's one of those aspects that the Clone Wars brought in that didn't quite jive to me. I mean, there are some times where I just kind of wish the Clone Wars fell away with Legends as well. That the canon just stayed the films and that everything they're moving forward. Because there were things that Lucas brought up in the Clone Wars that just, while they were cool, don't get me wrong, I enjoyed them while they were in Clone Wars. They just didn't quite line up with the saga. Maul coming back to life is a giant one. I loved what they did with the character and I loved what they did with all that stuff, but... From Obi-Wan's perspective, it really diminished the greatness of Obi-Wan. You know, oh, he went from being, you know, the only Jedi in a thousand years to battle a Sith Lord and he won as a Padawan to, well, you just cut him in half and he's still out terrorizing these people, killing people, and you didn't finish the job. You were actually second rate. We're taking your award back. 
you know, cut your Padawan braid some other time. We're going to burn it now. I don't know. I mean, it, to me, it's kind of like it adds a little taint to the Kenobi. And uh, Kenobi is one of my favorite characters from the prequel trilogy. So I, I, that didn't quite sit well with me. So, you know, there are some aspects of the Clone Wars that I just wish never came forward. You know, Mortis, things like that. That maybe if there was a plan down the road to kind of tie some of this stuff in and, and actually create a delivery or an impact from this stuff that we could build from. Uh, maybe then I'd, I'd enjoy it more, but I, from the saga standpoint, looking at the canon stuff, there's a lot of things in the Clone Wars that just don't quite jive. And, you know, I'm hoping that there's a plan there to, to add some more exposition or whatever to make it where, oh, oh, that's why. Okay. And then when that happened, oh, yes. Oh, slick, Lucas. You are slick. Same with you, Disney people. And you, Leland Chi and Pablo Hidalgo on the story group canon. I like your style. That brings us to our next email, coming in from Dwayne, who says, Okay guys, here's a new question for you both. As not just a Star Wars collector, but also an EU collector, and yes, I said EU, not Legends, I have a ponder. I'm deciding whether or not I will purchase any new printings of the old EU novels once they have been rebranded. See, I have collected many versions of many of those books. From paperback to hardcover, UK editions to book club issues, signed, slipcased, different covers, etc. This is one of the reasons I will miss from the Star Wars library. You son of a bith! That's bith, without the C. Nathan, there was so <laughs> much more to go. However, I do understand your decision. I know that when I see a new edition of a, now what would be called a Legends novel, that I'll be tempted to buy it. Not a new title, but a reprint. A new title would be no question, given one is ever written again in the old EU. But what about you guys? I know Mark primarily is a paperback guy, but... Would you also be tempted? Would a new reader that is interested in exploring the old EU really purchase a new printed Legends book, or would they seek out an original? I ponder that thought also as Hasbro re-released the old action figures and they did quite well. Printing books is not cheap, and I'm curious if reprints will even happen. Maybe certain titles, surely. Thrawn, the X-Wing novels, etc. Maybe we could see a nice hardcover omnibus collection of the X-Wing series. I'd buy that faster than Jar Jar could snatch candy from a baby Wookiee with his tongue. So I just want to know your thoughts on this, <laughs> and may the Force be with you and those stories from the past that we love. Oh, Dwayne, you're punny. I like it. You got my style down. Okay. Uh, you know, you bring up some great points. I I think for me, and, and maybe even for you, Nathan, it's a different question than it is for somebody new getting into Legends. I know for me, part of the enjoyment was hunting down the books and finding them. Uh, and, and eventually there's some titles that were harder to find than others. So those harder to find ones finding their way back to reprints and stuff would be kind of cool. Uh, give an opportunity for people that are trying to grow that collection and give them that opportunity. Um, the other side of it too is, is we've had other books in Legends that have been reprinted. I believe, uh, Shadowhunter, uh, the Darth Maul one was one. They added a little short story to the back of it and, and it got a new cover, things like that. And I remember I went out and I got that just because it had the extra, you know, content. Uh, so, and that for me is going to be the main thing content wise, uh, you know, cause that's where I'm at. My collection is almost complete. I say almost because there's some missions books, some, a couple of venture books out there. I do. Thanks to uh, one of the fellow listeners. I have the Gal uh, galaxy of fear collection finally taken care of, but there are some little ones that have slipped through my, my fingertips that probably will not be seeing those legend reprints. Um, so those ones are gonna be hard for me to still define, but you know, there are books out there like, uh, uh, Trusa Bakura that. I've read so many times the cover is just shot and falling apart. 
Um, you know, I'm not adverse to getting the the Legends cover with it saying Legends on it just to replace a book that's already falling apart on my shelf. But I'm also the type of person that even if that book's falling apart, I'm still leaving it on my shelf because that's, you know, that's my book. You know, that's the that's part of my collection. Uh, New Jedi Order, I've got like three or four versions of a couple of books, especially the first three, because I would constantly go back and reread books one through, you know. Oh, hey, balance point. Okay, one through balance point. All right, we're at Trader, one through Trader. And those first three books, especially, saw a lot of love. <laughs> and so I had to buy multiple versions of those. And I remember Walmart had like a, a $1.99 sale where the cover would say $1.99 or something like that on it and cross it out. And I bought a bunch of those too, because it was just like, you know, I was going through them so much that I was, I was thrashing the books. So there's that aspect that I would utilize the Legends books to replace some of the older books and stuff like that. Or maybe even like with the uh, older Han Solo and the Lando Calrissian books, get those so I don't have to pull mine out. I mean, I have uh, first printings of those and they're really old. The pages are, are very soft and have that yellow and they got that great book smell, which which side note here. My daughter was sitting against my bookshelf and was complaining. She got put on timeout and had to put her nose in the corner when she was all done. She kind of cracked because she had to sit there for the 13 minutes or 12 minutes, however long it was. And. You know, she seems so fine. And I'm like, so, you know, how you doing? She's like, it starts to crack and starts crying about the smell in the corner. And I'm like, what? My wife's like, go smell the corner. I went and stick my nose in the corner. I'm like, that's the smell of old books. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, are you kidding me? You don't even know what old books smell like. That's a cherished smell. And uh, so, you know, I might get it to, to do something like that in that regard as well. Uh, but for fans like yourself, it sounds like you're one, like, like how Nathan was with some of the comics where, you know, you got this other version. You're like, I got to get it. That for me is the side of my fandom that I'm trying to pull back from. Uh, you know, I mean, I used to be that same way, especially when I had a lot of money, you know, burning holes in my pocket. It was like, oh, look at that. There's a, there's a coloring set with Star Wars on it, a school set with Star Wars on it. I mean, it was like, if it had Star Wars on it, I was buying it. And progressively, as the years have gone by, I've got to that point where I've kind of stepped back from that. So I won't be going out in any way collecting a Legends cover version of my library. That's for sure. Um, but I could see some value in what they're doing. Plus, you know, I'm seeing so many people that have no clue about the EU. I think the hardest part the EU is going to have is getting people over the stigmata that it has to be canon to exist. There's so many people that are like that. You know, canon shmanon, that's what I keep saying. You know, I mean, who cares anymore? It's it's a good story. They've got another story group out there making a whole other story that is going to stick with your canon. So if canon is, you know, what you only care about, it's there for you. But if you're into good stories that tell alternate stories about characters you love, the EU has got one hell of a ride. And that ain't going anywhere. And there is a whole new generation of kids out there and adults that are just now stepping into that world. And I salute you because, you know, there are so many people out there right now that would just rather go with canon. And that's not always where all the good stories are at. I'm not saying that canon doesn't have good stories, but Legends is not something to be sneezed at either. There are a lot of really good tales out there and there are a lot of really cool characters that I think that for me is the saddest thing that aren't going to be showing up in canon that were really cool characters and had really fun rides that became iconic, you know, to EU and legends Mara Jade for one, you know, I mean, if anyone's going to make that bridge over, you know, a lot of people are thinking it's going to be Mara Jade, you know, Jaina Solo was another character that I would hope to see come over because that was a character that through the EU, I grew to really, really love. And, you know, the losses that she endured and the journey that she took, is part of one of the reasons why I'm so pissed to this day that we're not getting Sword of the Jedi. You know, they told us about it. We were hoping for it. We'd love to see that conclusion, and we don't have it. And, you know, I mean, I would love to see more people 
get into Legends and discover that passion for these characters and also knock on Lucasfilm's door and say, hey, you know, continue Legends. We're fine with what you got going on, but continue Legends. Don't kill it. From a collecting standpoint, I don't know that I'm going to have anything with Legends on it in my collection. Not because I'm necessarily adverse to the Legends label being on something, but I'm someone who tends to collect the first version of something. And most of the things that are going to have the Legends label on it have already been released in some other form. Um, The one exception might be if I start getting those hardcover Marvel reprint things. But I've already got the Marvel series in their original form and in the Omnibus series that was put out by Dark Horse. So I don't know if I'm even going to bother with those or not. Uh, I did recently go back, though, and pick up the paperbacks of all the ones that have short stories that were in ebook form or something like that reprinted in them so that I would actually have those in the collection before the labels uh, of Legends get slapped onto things. But uh, I don't know. I mean, it's just one of those things where it's a question of, well, are you looking for every version of something or not? If you're looking for every version, then I would assume the Legends version would be one of them to pick up. But if it's every version you know, prior to the rebranding, then you wouldn't need to worry about it. It's just a... As a matter of personal taste. That brings us to our last for this episode. We will be continuing with feedback in the next episode to take care of some more. Do not worry here. But this one comes in from Matt, who says, Greetings, Nathan and Mark. I've been way behind on podcasts over the past few months, and have just now mostly caught up on them. I've also finally gotten a chance to check out the Rebels Roundtable interview specials. As I've listened to all of the Republic Forces Radio Network and Star Wars Beyond the Films podcasts, I didn't really learn much from the interviews, but they were fun anyway, and I look forward to Mark's unique views mixed in with the views of the former Republic Forces Radio Network crew. I might be a little behind with this email, but I wanted to chime in on the canon issue. While I'm a big fan of finding a way to make it all fit, it seemed like it was getting more and more difficult to make that happen. While I think it's a bit of a shame that things can't move on the way they have always been, the split with Legends is probably for the best. I'm hoping to see some great movies in the very near future, and I don't want them to be encumbered by what has been written before. I guess this is like what Disney has done with Marvel. I'm a huge fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The good news for me is that I have never read any superhero comics of any kind, so I get to watch the MCU movies, as well as Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., with a completely open mind. I'm a clean slate, and anything that happens doesn't make me say, Why did they do that? Or, It isn't supposed to be that way! I just take it for what it is, and enjoy it. The only time I've ever had a serious issue with a movie is the Transformers movie, the first one that came out a few years ago. I was a Generation 1 kid. I saw every G1 cartoon, and I was at the matinee showing on opening day of the original movie in August 1986 at the ripe age of 12. I also read all 80 issues of the four-issue limited series, so to speak, of the Generation 1 comics and the spin-offs. I also had many of the toys, which were all sold on eBay for a pretty penny about 12 years ago to further my Star Wars collecting habit. That being said, when I saw the new Transformers movie a few years ago on opening night with great anticipation, I hated it. None of the characters looked like they should look. Megatron was in Hoover Dam. WTF! The whole origin story was completely whacked out, and I could not handle it. I've not seen the next two movies, and don't plan to either. Coincidentally, the latest one came out today, I think, as of when he's writing this. This one has Mark Wahlberg in it, and my wife loves him, and I usually like his movies, so I may give this one a shot, but I digress. My point is, I don't want to have this reaction with Star Wars. They've been up front with us. They said that the new movies will line up with the previous movies and Rebels and the Clone Wars. I'm good with that, as that is the core of what Star Wars is. Also, I really like the title, Legends. 
I've always kept the theory of M canon, Matt canon, for the things I like. I know Nathan has gone on rants about personal canon, but I think that is just for people who regard their personal canon as the way it is. I don't push my canon on anyone, and if I'm having a discussion about canon, I discuss the way things are for real, and then note my opinion on how they should be from my point of view, noting that it is my opinion. Hopefully that isn't what gets Nathan ruffled. For all things that don't line up, contradict, or seem overly fantastic, like Mace's fist fight with all the super battle droids in the Gindy series, I've regarded them as in-universe myth or legends. So now the story group has decided that all the previous EU is now a legend, and the title of Legends is official. Some of these stories may still hold true, but whether they do or not, or maybe bits here and there will, all that remains to be seen. Suffice to say, I think that Legends is a great title, as I've used the word loosely for years. Next is the question of collecting habits when it comes to the Legends split. For two to three years now, I've been debating going all digital with books, magazines, comics, etc. I think I even discussed this a little bit with Nathan at Con Carolinas a couple of years ago. He did a panel about digital publication, and if I remember correctly, we talked about it a bit afterwards. I just got in my iPad, and Nathan was thinking about a tablet himself, as he already had a Nook. I really like the iPad for reading novels and comics, but when you've worked so hard building a collection for years, how do you just stop cold turkey? Over the last couple of years, I've read most of my Star Wars stuff digitally, or listened to the audiobook, yet I still have a physical copy on the shelf that has never been cracked open. This is a huge waste of money and space, no? But it's my collection. I'm like an addict. I've gone all digital with everything but Star Wars at this point. Any non-Star Wars book, magazine, comic, CD, DVD, Blu-ray that I'm interested in for the last two to three years has just been downloaded digitally. Almost all the physical media, non-Star Wars, that I previously owned has been sold and reacquired digitally, and I don't buy any physical media anymore. I have an iPad. My wife has a Galaxy tablet. We have two Rokus in the house and are considering a third to have all the TVs covered. Our son has an iPad, and my wife and I have iPhones. Having physical media of any sort at this point seems like a total waste of space. Except Star Wars. Well, I'm running out of room. I haven't even talked about the space of my massive figure collection, as this is the wrong podcast for that. The amount of decent new figures coming out has dropped to near none. This is saving money in space. With the Legend split, I think I have my media breakpoint. With a complete Legends collection, I can now go all digital with all books and comics going forward. This will be great! Note, I have every adult Star Wars novel ever made in sci-fi book club hardcover format except for a slight few that they've never made, including the nine X-Wing novels, The Ruins of Dantooine, and the third Lando novel, Star Cave of Thombaka. I think those are the only ones I have in paperback. For comics, I have every omnibus edition, including the six hardcovers of the Thrawn trilogy, Dark Empire trilogy, Crimson Empire trilogy, and three volumes for Legacy. I'm really disappointed that Dark Horse won't be able to complete their entire run in omnibus form. I guess I will now need to hunt down the remaining that I'm missing in trade paperback form. I do have a small pile of trade paperbacks as well, including the six volumes of Tales, volume six, signed by Nathan, as well as my comic pack, comic book of Equals and Opposites. I guess I'll need to hunt down the rest to complete my Legends collection and call an end to my physical collection. Going forward, I think the only novels I'll get will be the movie novelizations. If Marvel ever decides to print omnibus editions, that may suck me back in, but only if they're the same size to fit nicely on my shelves. Note that the sci-fi book club hardcover novels are almost the same spine height as the Dark Horse omnibus, and they look great on the shelves together. Now with the legend split, do I have my breaking point? I hope so. Gentlemen, keep up the great podcasting work. I have no idea how you find enough free time to do what you do. Thanks a lot, Matt. You know, I, I pondered the same thing. You know, is this my jump off? Is this is this my opportunity to put my OCD-ness to rest? 
Uh, you know, you mentioned having perfect crisp versions of the book on your bookshelf. I, I'm the same way. Uh, you know, I'll get an advanced copy, you know, and, and when the paperback comes out, I still buy the paperback because for me, my collection has always been my bookshelf. Uh, you know, I don't consider myself having the book until that book's on the bookshelf in its chronological order. Uh, and that was, that was one of the things I chose. Well, that was where I was going to go with it. Um, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of things you bring up, you know, one, I like the fact that you say I'm, I'm unique. Thank you so much. Uh, <laughs> I, I like what your, your head's at when it comes to the canon split. I agree. You got to be open-minded. Uh, that's one of the big things. I was that way with Harry Potter. I haven't read the books. I have every one of the Harry Potter books, but I did not want to read them before I seen the movies because of the reaction all my friends that read the books were having. <laughs> I was like, you know, I just want to enjoy it. You know, I mean, I'm not, a, I mean, there's a part of me that knows when I go in and a books being adapted into a film that I'm not going to be getting the book. You know, you know, Peter Jackson's done a great job of giving us the book in film, but even that isn't exactly the book. You know, I mean, uh, think about how, you know, the return of the King ended. They never had the scene where they went back to Hobbiton and they faced Sharky or whatever the heck his name was, who we actually find out was actually a wizard that we saw killed in the movie. Like, what, what, you know, those kind of things. But, it's that suspension of disbelief going in that, that you know, if you can get there and, and walk into it with an open mind, you're going to enjoy it. Uh, another example of this right now, you know, you brought up Transformers Perfect One. My brother-in-law was in the same boat you were, hated it, couldn't stand it. He loved the Generation One stuff. Uh, but Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the new one coming out. I've got friends of mine that I respect their opinions about movies saying they absolutely hated it. And then I have other friends that are absolutely loving it. And they're just like, you know, it, it's all about what you bring in. And that fear you have about December 18th, 2015, walking into that theater and walking out, hating it. I think most of us fans that have been around, you know, that were huge EU fans, especially and stuff. I think that's a lot of our fears. Uh, there may be a small contingent out there. that are going to walk out fist pumping going, it sucked. I'm right. I'm vindicated, but I'm not going to be one of those. I, if I walk out of the theater, not liking it, I feel like I'm going to have lost something special. Uh, and, and I don't want that to happen. You know, I've, I've loved everything about star Wars as a brand moving forward. Uh, but you know, you bring up a lot of really good points. I mean, I don't have an iPad. I probably should get one. Um, I don't have a very big digital library yet. Uh, and I think, you know, moving that direction probably is a smart way to go. And if you know, you're a fan out there and you're contemplating it, I would honestly urge you to, to, to look towards doing the plunge because as you point out, Matt, the space factor is incredible um you know i'm just now I, i'm not into the house yet in three more days we'll get to start moving in but the garage of this house it's going to be my studio is immense it is the lower floor of the master bedroom master bath regular bath in both my kids rooms so i have got a huge space for the first time in my life i may actually be able to bring out all of my star wars collection and it made me stop and think i'm like how am i going to display this i mean i have every single figure of episode two all of them. I managed to, at that time, hunt everything down off the checklist. It's all there. How do I display that? They're all in their packaging still. Do I go to like Walmart and go, hey, do you have an extra shelf I could put up in my garage so I can just have them hanging 10 deep? I mean, you know, I, I constantly think, I mean, at what point do I pull the plug and be like, you know, it's time to give some of this stuff that I don't do anything with, but just dust it off because it's collecting dust and give it to somebody that may actually, you know, do something with it more than, than just set it on the shelf. You know, there's that constant aspect of it coming too. When you talked about your personal canon, though, I, I often say that it's a safety net for us fans, personal canon. 
Nathan, you know, Nathan's peeve here is a very, very prominent one. And it sounds like you've actually got a handle on it. You know, you've got to be intellectually honest when it comes to it. You have to know what is. And then, as you put it, formulate your opinion as how it should have been. That's that's the way to go, man. That's the best way to spark really deep and and thoughtful, thought-provoking conversations. You know, this is how it went. But if it would have went like this, I think I might have enjoyed it more. You know, I mean... I. That's that's part of this. This is that's the pondering aspect, you know. And and you know, you m- mentioned about not bringing your toy collection stuff here. By all means, man, that's another thing to ponder. You know, I mean, Nathan's got a collection of stuff like that. Mine, I've got a whole bunch. Yeah, I mean, that's something that we ponder as well. I mean, as we move forward, more figures are coming out. That's something I constantly question too. I'm looking at the figures for Rebels, and I'm just like, dude, they look cool, but I'm hesitant to buy one because my personality type. I start to buy one, and then I have to buy them all. My daughter, when she was two, my oldest one now, we started getting her Care Bear stuff. And next thing you know, I've got over 80-some-odd Care Bears. I've got the small ones, I've got the medium ones, and I've got a few of these big ones. Why? Because we saw it, I had the money, and Taylor didn't have it. And, you know, you get, like, there's an addiction aspect of the collection side of things that, you know, you're just like, oh, i got to have that for the collection. And then when you get it all, you know, now that I'm moving especially, it really kind of slap Sith slapped me in the face here. That, what do you do with it all? You know, I mean, when you get it all boxed up, and, and I mean, at my old studio, I was unpacking stuff that I've had boxed up for almost 10 years as well. And it was like, oh, I forgot all about having that. Oh my gosh, I have this too. And, you know, you get to that point, it's like, you know, these are things that are treasured to us, but we don't have space for them. And then they end up in a box. And it gets that question. It's like, how far do we take that treasure? I mean, you know, I mean, where do we draw the line? And I have to admit, there's a part of me that envies those. The type of people, the type of mentality that can just draw that line and walk away. You know, I mean, I, I I really have done some soul searching when it came to this whole canon split of, you know, is this my chance to get out of Star Wars and to to put that OCD aspect of myself to rest? But honestly, I am so entrenched in everything I love about Star Wars that it doesn't matter whether that aspect is Legends or canon. You know, when a Jedi ignites his lightsaber, when he uses the force, these kind of things are the things that get me pumped. You know, I mean, when I'm watching my Marvel shows and stuff and I'm watching mutants and doing their action and stuff, there's that aspect of Star Wars that I love right there. I mean, there are so many mediums and genres out there that are producing things that I absolutely, absolutely love that it can break my bank at times. You know, I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge Marvel fan. I follow Spider-Man, almost everything. Right now, I'm following Amazing Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2099, Guardians of the Galaxy, because Venom, who is Flash from Spider-Man, is also on that line. Following New Warriors, because Scarlet Spider, the clone of Parker, is in that one. Uh, there's uh, Edge of Spider-Verse, where in episode 19 of Superior Spider-Man, he went through a time loop, and we're finding out everything that happened in his 19 hours of Gone. I, I mean, I'm just that way. It's like once I start down the rabbit hole, there's no stopping. So, I mean, there's that aspect too where I'm like, do I want to get a digital collection? Because I know me, I'm going to want to have it all in duplicate. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes we have to stop and ask ourselves the hard questions and sometimes we don't like the answers. But the fact that we're actually asking them, you know, it puts us in a in a, in a good place. And to be able to sit here and talk with each other and, and ponder these things, you know, I, I think it helps not just with ourselves but with each other. You know, I mean, hearing the things that you're doing and the things you're having struggles with and stuff like that, you know, it rings, resonates with mine. And, you know, sometimes people have other ways of handling things. I mean, I don't know. I've, I've thought about iPads before, but the big thing for me was always the size of the comic. But I, iPads now are pretty big. I should really get an iPad and start listening or reading my comics and stuff on that. You know, I mean, that that should be my next my next step. And 
just I just formulated that listening to you. I mean, I pondered it many times, but I didn't think about the size aspect. I was that was what always kept me back. But iPads are bigger now. I should just make the jump. Wow, it brings up a lot of different things. I've actually, as you were talking there, I was I was noting down what I wanted to make sure to mention. So let me kind of hit my bullet points so I don't wind up rambling uh, quite as much as I might be prone to. Uh, I would say that I, I'm with Matt here as far as you know. It was the best move that they could have taken when it came to the whole issue of Legends. It's still controversial at this point, but remember, if we take my three possibilities and add in the two that Andrew Gilbertson brought up, the, Disney was not going to just not make any more movies. Disney was not just going to create movies that are so far afield from everything else out there that has no linkage, really, in many respects, to the stuff that had already existed so that it would be perfectly safe. Uh, and then, from the three that I tended to, pu to put out there, they were very unlikely to ever make something that fit in with the previously existing EU so that it was beholden to it, both from a creative standpoint and assuming that the audience had to know background from comics and novels to understand the movie. They could have done like the Clone Wars and simply put out the movie, said it's going to be part of this same continuity as what is now Legends, and then have it just sort of work as a wrecking ball and knock things out of the continuity and have it be triage after the fact. Or they could separate it out and say there's two different continuities. And... They went with the easier, more straightforward one of two continuities. I think over time, hopefully that will be an easier to understand thing for many people as more materials are coming out there. So it was, I think, uh, the best move overall. As to personal canon, uh, Matt, you're right. You're doing it in the way that I would call the intellectually honest way of doing something that is very easy to accidentally become intellectually dishonest in doing. But you're doing it in such a way... That I mean, if you're if it's just a thing for you, and you're not making that part of discussions, at least not without making it clear that it's your personal opinion and acknowledging what's real versus what you think should have been, then that's fine. It's just that most people using personal canon don't make that nuanced type of division in their head or in discussion and start basically just using what they think should have been as what is, and that's just not the way it actually works. Uh, as far as collecting space. Uh, Jody and I are starting to think of the possibility of getting a house when our next lease is up. I don't kind of like the idea of not having regular maintenance people kind of on hand at any given time. But we've lived, or I've lived in this same apartment complex in two different apartments, one bigger, one smaller, uh, since 2002. And right now we're paying basically 800 a month in rent, whereas there's a lot of foreclosed properties around here we could probably get into with a mortgage that's like three or $400 and save quite a bit of money assuming that everything else with the house is fine, there's not all kinds of extra expenses coming in. And one of the things that's pushing that is maybe we could turn a room into like a collection room. Uh, I'm running out of space for bookshelves, or I have run out of space for bookshelves in our dining room. We don't usually eat in the dining room. It's basically the table with that custom-made uh, uh, X-Wing playboard on it now sitting there uh, on top of it, and bookshelves lining the walls and DVD shelves on the other side, and not really much use otherwise. And the bookshelves have taken up the wall space. There is no more. And I'm starting to see things start to pile up as I'm trying to figure out what to do with some of the miscellaneous stuff. Um, so we're looking for possibly more space for that. I don't really have an extensive Star Wars collection beyond the books and comics and, and home video stuff, though, as far as toys or anything like that. But I will say that I would love to take my X-Wing stuff. I picked up every X-Wing product one of each as Fantasy Flight Games has released it. I would love to put that stuff on display because they're so cool looking. And when Armada comes out, do the same thing. That's the, the fleet-based version of basically X-Wing that they've announced recently around the time of Gen Con. 
but there really isn't a lot of space to do that. I'm shifting them around quite a bit. So instead, I've moved from having them in a little tiny tackle box about a foot, foot and a half wide to this enormous tackle box that I have now that fits all the previously released X-Wing stuff. And I may need to move beyond that once they get some more of these new things coming out. So I'm kind of like, you know, I space is always going to be an issue as a collector if you're collecting physical stuff. And uh, it's it's interesting, I think, how that starts to help us make decisions in terms not just of how do we collect and where do we collect, but where do we live? Or what is our living space going to look like? Designing that around the collections themselves. As far as uh, not possibly liking the film based on anything else, remember, Phantom Menace is probably the weakest of the live-action Star Wars films in many respects. Uh, for many, many, many fans. Uh, I'd say live-action films, because then there's the Clone Wars. I don't want to throw that in there into the mix. Um, but a lot of us who now look kind of look at Phantom Menace and are kind of like, oh, compared to the others, were hyped as, like crazy when it first came out. I went to see The Phantom Menace on opening day every single possible showing. Uh, I wound up seeing it at midnight, coming back in the morning and seeing it. It was just who I saw it with was differing, like... At one point, I even took my mom because she had taken me to see Return of the Jedi and Empire Strikes Back when I was very young, so I was returning the favor in that regard. At the beginning, it was me and a whole bunch of friends from uh, from formerly in high school and new friends I had made in college that first year and such. Um, I think the experience of it is going to leave people going, whoa, and wanting to see it again. It's that over time, as we start to be more reflective on it, looking at it, we start hearing reviews of it, seeing discussion of it nowadays, I guess, in social media that starts to pick it apart, that we start to have uh, a less rose-hued glasses type of view of whatever it is that we're, uh, that we're watching, in this case, a new Star Wars film. So I expect a lot of excitement to begin with, but, you know, we'll see how it turns out afterwards. And it's going to be a divisive thing. You know, I, mm -hmm. this is J.J. Abrams, and I am a big fan of the Star Trek reboot films, both of them, despite the fact that Into Darkness is basically just a discount version with hyped-up special effects of the Wrath of Khan in many respects. I really enjoy them, but there are a lot of folks who are very critical of those and of J.J. Abrams as a filmmaker. So, yeah. you know, the Star Wars classic trilogy is unique in the fact that it was at the right time, in the right place, with the right changes to filmmaking to become sort of an instant classic, always looked back on in a very positive way, at least in its original format, though people gripe about the Blu-ray changes, DVD changes, special editions, whatever. The classic trilogy was released in that form, but the prequel trilogy was not. It was released into a hypersensitive, very reactive, nitpicky-prone, internet-driven society, and so will a sequel trilogy. I don't expect them to, uh, to get by without taking their lumps and such. Uh, as for the digital thing, uh, so far, the only Star Wars novel, I think, or the only Star Wars thing that I've read digitally only has been Crucible. Uh, not counting the stuff like ebooks and such that were released only as ebooks, like uh, Elysia and A Fool's Bargain and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and that was just because Crucible, when they did the review copies, in my case, they gave a digital review copy as opposed to a physical review copy for that one. Uh, I do pick up the Star Wars comics from time to time now before. I get them in print form just because it takes about a week for them to get to me through the mail from things from another world. And sometimes they show up bent all to hell. Thank, I, that's one good thing about Dark Horse ending its run. At least I get a few months without getting bent comics in the mail every other week. 
Um, thank you, U.S. Postal Service, you incompetent hacks in the Fairburn, Georgia area. Um, but to have the, the collection as digital, to me, I'm still concerned about, you know, if I want this, connect this collection for the long haul, how long are these media going to be viable? Because there was a lot of, of fear initially when it was announced that Dark Horse was losing the Star Wars license. Hey, if I bought Star Wars comics through Dark Horse, will I still be able to access them once they lose the license? The answer apparently is yes, you just won't be able to buy any new ones, but the stuff you have bought is still within your library. That's great. But it exists as long as Dark Horse's digital app exists. I've got books I bought digitally on my Nook, generally just to read them and move on. Uh, I'm not going to get Star Wars books on my Nook generally because you know, how long will Barnes & Noble exist as a business? What if the Nook winds up going by the wayside? What happens to my ability to download those books again? Uh, whenever they talked about uh, ending support for whichever part of the Nook that they did a few years back, I downloaded everything I've got through the Nook, even the free things that they gave out on those free Fridays, to make sure mm -hmm. they were all on the Nook so that if support for Nook completely ends, at least I've got all my old stuff still sitting on the device. Uh, I am like Matt in the sense that if it's not Star Wars, I tend to get it digitally. I read the uh, the new Transformers lines. I went back just recently and read all of them uh, that are coming out through, I guess it's IDW at this point. Really enjoying them. Doing it all digitally. Walking Dead, all digitally. Um, in fact, I think I still have one sitting there that yeah. I haven't read that. Injustice Gods Among Us, amazing comic series. If you're a fan of DC comic stuff at all or just alternate universes. Loving that. And books, Dresden Files, James Rollins' Sigma Force series, you name it. Constantly getting stuff through the ebook or the, the digital comic medium. But I'm doing that because those aren't collections. I'm a completist in the sense I want the whole story, but I'm not sitting there saying, look, I've got all the Dresden Files. No, I'm not. Uh, the, on the only book I think I bought physically that wasn't something for my classroom or something for Star Wars recently that was in physical form was the newest Saga of Seven Sons book from Kevin J. Anderson. And that was because I've got some signed book plates and I've got all the other books signed, so I wanted to have this one with a signed book plate as well. Um, digital is a great way to maintain space, a very convenient way to buy things without uh, winding up having to go anywhere. Awesome if you're reading them at the time, but I'm still not sure how viable it is as a collector's resource. Well, real quick, I want to ask you, would you say, though, that maybe the iPad or the Apple side of things would probably be the safer bet? I mean, I, when I think, you know, you talked about Barnes & Noble's going away with their Nook, but I get the feeling that Apple in the digital market, they're, they're here for the long haul, that they're not going to be going away. In theory, I mean, I guess it sort of depends. Uh, I, the only comic I've gotten through Apple's iBooks of Star Wars was when they had Shadow of Yavin for free. In the Shadow of Yavin, uh, Star Wars Volume 2 first arc for free. Mm -hmm. Any, for the most part, if people are buying Star Wars digital comics, or digital comics in general, on the iPad, it's through Comixology, which is just bought by Amazon, or it's through um, Dark Horse's digital app to get those comics. And if you're buying books, you can get them through iBooks on the iPad, but a lot of folks just use the Kindle app or the Nook app because then you can use it with e-readers. So to me... Reading a novel on the iPad screen hurts my eyes after a while because it's that backlit display and the power's running out the entire time that you're reading it. If you've got a Nook, you can charge that thing, or a, or a Kindle, you can charge that thing once in like a month, and it only uses power to change what's on the screen. 
So it uses much, much less power, and it's an e-ink screen that's much easier on the eyes. So to me, if I'm doing e-books, I'm not getting them on the iPad unless there's something that's got some kind of exclusive iPad content, like the making of Star Wars, making of Return of the Jedi kind of stuff. Uh, otherwise, I'm getting it on an actual e-ink screen e-book reader. Um, yeah, I would say Apple's probably in there for the long haul. So is Amazon, I would say, for the long haul. But, you know, 20 years, 30 years from now, I mean, I've got Star Wars books dating all the way back to 1976 with the A New Hope novelization when it came out that December. Would I have been able to do that if it was a digital medium going back that far into the past? I honestly don't know. Uh, to me, though, uh, the one thing that has made the digital, uh, the, the iPads and the tablets and stuff, Definitely worth it, aside from the comic book reading, which is a huge part of it. Gotta say, digital card games. I love the trading card games, but I generally prefer to play them digitally than physically. So the ability to play, like, Shadow Era, Magic the Gathering. Eventually, they're going to put out Pokemon uh, as digital card games has been awesome. I only wish Fantasy Flight Games had the rights to do digital Star Wars games, because then maybe they could put out the Star Wars LCG as a digital card game instead of us getting garbage like Force Collection that Disney Interactive puts out, I think it was. Did did you say Magic the Gathering has an app? Dude, there's been Magic the Gathering digital card games for like 10 years or so. Every year they update it and put out a new one using new cards from that year's new stuff. And you can buy the, you can get the, the game for free, play through the first little bit of it, and then as you want to unlock uh, decks and other opponents to play against, you buy the packs for like three or four bucks at most. It's oh. it's awesome. Du uh, Duels of the Planeswalkers is what they used to call it. Now they just on the um, on the iPad and stuff they call it like Magic 2014, Magic 2015, uh, oh. or whatever. But yeah, yeah. And Holy they keep track of all Sith the stats. That's what I love. Nebris. They keep stats for everything. It's all animated, um, and it's very convenient to carry around. Uh, uh, I would love to see a Star Wars game done like that for iOS no devices doubt. or for, for Android tablets. But I'll have to check that out. <laughs> oh, you learn something new every day. Not so much. Force Collection was freaking horrible. Attack Team is not all that much better. <laughs> At least that one's not officially cards, even though everything looks like cards. Now that about wraps up this episode of Star Wars Beyond the Films. We'd like to thank you once again for hanging around with us as we ponder on sharing our fandom. Hey, remember, you can always listen to our episodes streaming online on the Star Wars Report website, Second Airborne Division, at www.starwarsreport.com. Episodes are also available on Zoom, Stitcher, and on iTunes, which we always encourage you to leave us a review while you're at it. You can also find links to our episodes on both our Twitter and our Facebook pages at SW Beyond Films, or just type in Star Wars Beyond the Films in the search bar. Hey, but no matter how you get there, be sure to like our Facebook page. It's one of the best ways to interact with us. It's our own home one, if you will. Not only can you post comments to us about the show, we love interacting with you fellow fans. So if you have any Star Wars, Legends, EU, video games, you name it, questions, or you just want to comment about a past episode, fire off. You can always email us directly at swbeyondfilms at starwarsfanworks.com. Now, lastly, before we go, we wanted to mention to you our Audible trial. 
If you go to www.audibletrial.com slash Report, you can get a free trial run of audible.com to see what they're all about. Our sponsors have more than 100,000 titles that you can explore. You can explore the Star Wars Expanding Universe or any other genre out there without risk of being stuck with a book you flat out hate because Audible members can exchange any book within 12 months with no questions asked. So in this digital age, if you're thinking of making the switch from the page to the audiobook, Audible just might be right for you. So, once again, for Stars Beyond the Films, this has been Mark and Whistler. And Nathan. Saying thanks for listening, and may the Force be with you. And don't quote us the odds that the next time I think that we're going to get through all the feedback in one episode, we actually do. Yeah, that's true, because odds are you're going to go, we need some feedback on the Facebook page and get slammed. (laughs) Not a bad thing. Defender of the EU, the champion of the multiverse, and with me. What the f- my eyes? <laughs> you, realize, you realize you didn't say what your name was, sir. I, I didn't. You just say said that. you're the defender of the EU and like that, and then you're like, oh well. I'm like, that's enough. You know everything you need to know. <laughs> Hello, all. You see a data burst. Rebels isn't even going yet, and Rebels Roundtable is already having the data burst contest. Or. F- again <laughs> now that wraps up this quick little data burst of star wars beyond the films we'd like to thank you once again for hanging around with us let's see if i can talk any faster <laughs> beyond the films this is ben mark and whistler he is not ready where are you at hey asshole, get back in here <laughs> oh gosh man this is why you don't drink pepsi before a podcast to that galaxy far, far away. Fuck that hurt. Gee! <laughs> Your ticket to the mall. Oh yeah, dude. As soon as I, st- as soon as I got the one thirty nine, I wanted to let that sucker go. <coughs> Kate Skywalker sounds int- many ways to what? My search I was in there. I have no idea what he's trying to say there. I guess I'll take out the word win. Oh my god, this guy must not be speaking. Nope, he is. He's he's a native English speaker. He's in. <laughs> There's so many ways that this is written. It's confusing the living shit out of me as I'm trying to read it. Once again. Grammar, punctuation, key okay. elements. <laughs> Alright, so let me try this. Oh, the, yeah, what we want. Okay. The good thing for me, say it again. The good thing for me there is that I have never read any superhero comics of any kind. Son of a bitch. Thank you, Outlook. I guess I'll need to hunt down the rest to complete line that. If you take in the fact that Talzin is now supposedly Maul's child, you know, what it does in the legend aspect... Uh, it's, it's the other way around. You just said that, that Talzin was Maul's child. <laughs> that yeah. would be screwed up. That would be some messed up logic there. How did that happen?